Hello, and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris, and this week I'm looking for a great audiobook to enjoy. Now, strictly <laughs> to enjoy uh, during a four-hour road trip. Now, this timeline is tight. Right. So, um, like, if you have to go from Milwaukee to, you know, Madison and back, something yeah. like that. And let's yeah. not get into the round trip situation. You know, it's oh, round one trip, way. one way, who knows? Well, but, like, what if you had to go from Milwaukee to Economawalk and then up to Germantown? Oh, mm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little bit over. <laughs> to help me are, of course, two well-traveled high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Mm. Uh, hi, Nick. I'm Joe. Joe Holshue. I'm a high school English teacher, and <laughs> Joe Holshue's my name. Not stirred. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm a high school English teacher, and Nick, I did bring a four-hour audiobook this week, but I, I don't know. Maybe you would like it. I hate it. <laughs> I think it's bad. I brought a bad book this week, Nick. Um, It is, of course, of course, the 1988 international sensation bestselling The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho? Coelho. Coelho. That's what I was going to say. Hello, Nick, and guten Morgen to you too, Joe. For today only, my name is Dr. Ian DeYoung. Today only, I am a high school English teacher and today, if you're looking for a, a road trip audiobook that is precisely four hours, give or take. On the dot. Precisely, give or take. Half an hour or so. Uh, I would recommend you avoid The Alchemist, as <laughs> Joe has mentioned. <laughs> you know, we usually come in here hot like, you should read my book. And I am giving you a recommendation this week. It is mm. Avoid The Alchemist. It is an anti-recommendation. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. laughs. Ian, when did you read this book for the first time? I actually, I first experienced it on audiobook. I was driving around the Midwest with my esteemed wife and we listened to this and we finished it and we had like our conversation about how much it was dreadful lasted almost as long as the book itself. <laughs> A one-to-one ratio of book length to slamming the book. Yeah, I this book's really famous. I, I, I read it. I started reading it for our gold week, our 50th episode, our golden anniversary, thinking, <laughs> oh, The Alchemist. Really good theme. Shout out to that good theme. Gold. <laughs> which, I start, <laughs> which, if I recall correctly, morphed into an entirely different theme. Yep. James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> We're good at this, guys. I don't know. I got like halfway through it and I just remember thinking like, what the hell is going on? This book is insane. This is terrible. Um, so we saved it for the the week when we're mean, the mean week, mean week. Um, we really should have new beginnings to these um, anti-episodes where we mm. just bash people who, who wrote a book. Right. <laughs> who poured their heart and soul into probably the most significant thing they will do in their entire and, lives. And let's be clear, like this is 100% the peak of Paulo Coelho's life. He was ramping up to this, and my my research suggests he has been absolutely coasting ever since. <laughs> hey, when you write a book that sells 65 million copies, you, you can coast. 
you can go. I love this. I um, well, welcome Litheads to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, of course, a strongly Sit podcast. Strongly podcast. Uh, three very virile men, and um, <laughs> uh, where every week we um, pick a theme and two books to to uh, recommend to you, uh, but we also pick a winner. And of course, that's the premise of the show, uh, and we are destroying that in every aspect on this particular episode. <laughs> none of that. <laughs> none, of no, that does re- <laughs> none of that was relevant. The show is increasingly postmodern, in which we just like challenge the structure of the show week after week. Well, after you know week. what? Here's the thing: we've really gotten complacent, um, and anytime we get complacent uh, with the modernists, we must make it new. That was the mantra of the modernists. Mm-hmm. And it's our mantra. So we got we are too popular. We were coasting like Paulo Coelho did after writing The Alchemist, nineteen eighty eight. And so you know what? Here we are. We're not coasting. We're shaking yeah. it up. We're deconstructing. Reinvented it. Reinvented ourselves. Uh, but we do still have rules uh, because there's nothing more fun than than rules. I, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, so rule number one is uh, uh, only unavoidable spoilers, gentlemen. Even if we hate mm-hmm. the book. Um, rule number two: uh, omit needless words, Joe. This is uh, an abbreviated single book episode, so. Hmm. And mm-hmm. rule number three: winning isn't every. It doesn't matter. Uh, rule number three has been replaced by uh, no downers. Oh, that's right. No. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting. This book is not a downer, but I feel like we're going to be downers about this book. Hundred percent. Can I get this special anti episode going? I wish Please? you would with a five star review. Wow, (laughs) yes. Okay. Um, I bet you that was not difficult to find. No, there's quite a few. um, Many in languages I don't understand Mm -hmm. um, at all. So. Um, CSS. I think they may all be written by Paulo Coelho himself. <laughs> Since the writing The Alchemist, he's been writing reviews of The Alchemist. <laughs> that's, that's coasting with a capital yeah. C. That's what we do on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Um, <laughs> Shh, Nick, no. no, we don't talk about that. Okay. Uh, uh, Rebecca, five stars. She says, without exaggeration, this is probably the best book I've ever read. <laughs> oh, Whenever God. they say without exaggeration, that's a sure sign they're about to exaggerate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any second. I'm not being racist, but... Have you ever heard the expression, don't believe anything that somebody says? Um, ever? Yeah, I love that expression. Before the word but? Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, um, not to be offensive, but... <laughs> where, where should we begin? I'd like to hear a little bit more about this book and make my own decision. Um, does somebody have okay. a 30-second synopsis? Ugh. I have, I have a brief synopsis. Ian, yeah. do, you, do you have one? I don't because I was too, like, gr- like just too grouchy. Just disgusting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I've got one. I don't think it's 30 seconds, but I do think I've distilled The Alchemist down to its essence here. This book doesn't deserve 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Make it 13 seconds. Oh, uh, good. Do three hours. The f- filibuster. <laughs> I'm filibustering this episode. Prepare for a three-hour uh, summer. Uh, the Alchemist is an international sensation, Nick. It has sold a trillion copies, 65 million copies. It's like the 15th highest-selling book of all time. Will Smith owns the movie rights. It is also what happens when people who don't read get a hold of a quasi-philosophical, quasi-fable self-help book. Uh, if I had to boil it down to a single sentence, The Alchemist basically says, if you really want something, you just have to want it as hard as you can. The universe <laughs> will help you get it. Okay. And I have, just not to be a spoiler, um, this is, I would say this is an unavoidable spoiler. It's a spoiler for my notes, 
I have one, two, three, four paragraphs about the moral bankruptcy of that claim. Um, oh, which, it's really questionable. <laughs> I can't wait to get to it. Yeah, you don't have to examine it very much before thinking like, oh, this is a little problematic. <laughs> well, and the best thing about this book is that it's a gift that keeps on giving. So one of the things that I discovered, I was looking for one-star reviews, which is, again, it's not hard to find. And one of the excellent Goodreads reviews was like, um, it was like a feminist takedown. It was like, this is self-help for men. If you have a personal legend and you're a man, cool. But if you have a personal legend and you're a woman, no, that doesn't exist. There, There is one of the few female characters in this book is basically regarded as a prop that um, the, the main character gets to achieve if he can or possibly not. And, and that's it. the beauty of this book is there are so many ways to hate it. <laughs> um, that's well, good. That's good. Yeah. So um, maybe before we... Um, tear this book to shreds and um, <laughs> paint ourselves into a corner where we can't definitely can't tag this author on Twitter about the episode. <laughs> oh, no. um, yeah. Maybe we could just kind of lay the groundwork on what this book is about, and then and then really get at it. I do have a I, I have a bit of a step by step for the plot, Ooh, right? Good. Like just kind of a yeah. Uh, plot. Okay. That's a great place to start, Joe. Is the plot awesome? Okay, this is what happens in The Alchemist. There's a young boy. He's a shepherd. He has a dream. So he goes to a gypsy to interpret it. Then he meets a secret king in disguise. He becomes convinced that he has to travel to Egypt to discover like this vast treasure. He sells a sheep, goes to Africa, gets robbed, gets a job, starts traveling, meets a girl, falls in love, leaves again, meets an alchemist, turns himself into the wind and makes and loses a small fortune several times along the way. And this part actually kind of blew my mind. He finds an actual treasure as well. And honestly, I didn't see that coming. Like, like I was really on board for this to be like, oh, it's a metaphorical treasure. But he finds a treasure, which is pretty good. Yeah, mm. that's, um. I mean, with a, with a book like this, you kind of expect that it's going to end up a metaphor. The treasure is going to be mm-hmm. a metaphorical, but... <laughs> It's yep. a, I mean, it's a, it's a nice, it's a kindness after the misery that is slogging <laughs> through this book. It's a kindness that uh, Paulo Coelho is like, you know what? No, he actually does find gold hmm. in the balloons. What's an alchemist? Ooh, that's a good question. What's alchemy? Hmm. It's nonsense, right? It's a lie. I mean, <laughs> alchemy was. <laughs> this book is a lie. <laughs> it talks about things that don't exist. Alchemy was the. That's um, just called fiction, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Um, alchemy was the the uh, ancient and uh, medieval and early modern uh, quest, pseudo scientific quest, to transmute elements from baser forms to more noble forms. And a base form of an element might be lead, and a more noble form might be gold. And alchemy, like, is also connected with the search for the fountain of youth and the search for immortal, like, immortality. Um, and uh, the big thing that alchemists were looking for was a substance called the Philosopher's Stone, which mm. you could use to make lead into gold. So right. it's a bunch of nonsense, and you can't do alchemy. Litheads, if you're if you're if you're on those message boards and they're telling you alchemy is oh, real, alchemy do some alchemy. Let's just go to the park and do some alchemy together. Don't do it. It's a lie. No. It's fiction. It's 
probably multi-level marketing uh, is it most is. likely. It actually is, right? <laughs> like if, if you have to pay $5,000 to the guy ahead of you and then just recruit five more people to pay him $5,000, it's, it's, it's alchemy. Guys. Oh, this it's is awesome. I just found a forum. Is alchemy real? Um, <laughs> do you want the short answer? Yes. Mm, okay. Yeah. Here's the short answer. I think this author might have wrote it. Uh, depending on how you define alchemy, yes, it's possible, and we do it. Um, <laughs> okay, well. Yeah, just it, pay me $5,000. It, it looks actually, like the definition is magic, so that's yeah. the definition. It's actually kind of a beautiful thing that this book is called The Alchemist because it kind of does a reverse alchemy. They say silence is golden, and so it takes the golden moments of silence, and by its very existence, this book transmutes those moments into trash and waste. Mm-hmm. Reverse alchemy. Now, okay. Well, I'm excited to insert Will Smith references throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the episode and mm-hmm. work, you know, just work through that. Welcome to Earth. That's good. Bad Thank Boys you. for Life. That's one. Now, is it Bad Boys for Life? Or like they're bad boys together for life? Or is it like they're pro life? Bad Boys it's for bad Life? It's Bad Boys. No, it's it's the fourth, it's the fourth movie in the series. Right. Bad Boys for there's four. Bad Boys Furious. There was Bad Boys 3 Life. There was Bad Boys 7 Life. That was kind of... <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys something about why you why this is so dangerous. This book is so dangerous. Oh, to you. because it's how a gateway drug. Well, it's so popular. You might be in danger of reading this book. You might listen. <laughs> Litheads and Nick, you might be cruising around on your favorite app, whether it's Audible or something else, and you might say, oh, this looks like a good quick listen, good four-hour listen. Oh, it's narrated mm-hmm. by Jeremy Irons. I'll listen to It's reviewed day. really well. Yeah. Like, look at all these four- and five-star reviews. You might, be kicking around, you might be kicking around Green Bay Packers training camp and notice Aaron Rodgers reading this book, as he does mm-hmm. at every uh, uh, Packers training camp. You might be hanging out with your good friend, Will Smith, who owns the movie rights. And he might say to you something like, this is my favorite book of all time, even though, and I quote, it's real metaphysical esoteric nonsense. Yeah. So (laughs) there's a lot of, and this is one of those books that people recommend. They grab Mm -hmm. you by the throat and they say, listen, they stare into your eyes and they say, listen, how about you read The Alchemist? It's narrated by Jeremy Irons. It's only four hours long. It's a great book. Mm -hmm. It opened my eyes to things. Okay. Very popular. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Is this actually bad? Is the book is the book actually bad? Okay, this is, I, I think I have an answer for this question because Ian and I, I think, made the terrible mistake of reading this book as adults. Like, like just yeah. full-fledged, like taxpaying adults we read this book as. Hey, big old hairy adults. Big old hairy adults. I think this book really has to hit you at the right time age or in the right frame of mind or something like that. Like I Maybe think the right season, the right season in your life, mm. the right season in your life. Like I think if you are 19 years old and you are like really struggling and floundering and just not sure what that next step is, I think this book, this book could hit you right. Uh, I think like once you have some feet under you and you, I don't know, maybe have like a little bit more mature view of the world, it hits you like hot nonsense. So I think maybe it could be okay. Could hot nonsense be a theme? Ooh, then that's a good theme. I'm writing it down. I'm writing it down. (laughs) 
I did read, I, I collected a handful of my favorite negative reviews of this book. And one of my favorites was step one, be under 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it, it, it's actually really interesting you, you bring that up, Joe, because um, when I was poking around about uh, looking for, for reviews of this um, and, and positive reviews are a dime a dozen. It's easy to find those. Uh, I was interested in unsurprisingly negative reviews and I saw it listed somewhere as young adult literature. Oh. Like I saw this listed as as like like YA fiction. And I think it's a really it, it doesn't present that way, but I mean, it's got a youthful main character and it's kind of drawn in these extremely like bold lines. It's very um right, it's it's painted with a broad brush. I'm reading a couple quotes here online from the book. Yeah. And they strike me as um, something that should kind of come out of like Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> but I, I, I did come to one, which is the secret of life, though, is to fall seven times and to get up eight times. Is that really from this book? Because that's a really famous quote. Is that is he stealing that? Is that from this book? I mean, he does it's so he does lift a lot of things from a lot of places. And he kind of <laughs> he lifts a lot. He lifts in this very this very specific way that's very like you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. But then you pay more attention and you realize he's actually kind of garbling it a little bit to mean something somewhat different. Mm, no, I did some further Googling and it no, it's totally not from him. He stole that from somebody. <laughs> <laughs> misattributed. Misattributed. Okay, Nick, there's a central idea in this book called you called personal legend, right? It, the, the phrase personal legend comes up 3,000 times in the four hours of this okay. book. Joe keeps throwing out numbers that I think are inaccurate. <laughs> your personal legend, I think as best as I could define it, is like your destiny? I don't know if it's destiny, though, because that implies like there's some larger thing working working out there your personal legend is like that thing that you want and that is going to happen if you want it bad enough i okay what is this okay so you're saying that this book basically says manifest your success in life right like manifest what you want yep. out of life and if you try hard enough and work hard enough no. it can happen no. Oh, it doesn't say anything about work hard, does you, it? You don't work no. hard. Right. Oh, no. that's it. That's the thing. Okay, so really... I was editorializing what I believe in some way. <laughs> you don't You're particularly try hard either. It's just like, if you want, like, the, the actual quote is, anything, when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. Okay, mm -hmm. well, that's not true. <laughs> that, that, yeah, <laughs> right. Has that so been your is, experience? <laughs> this is one of my big problems with this. Like, I can talk about why this book is a foolish book, why it's like not good literature, but I think I'm more fired up about how it is actively bad. It has this kind of bootstraps myth that right, if you yeah. want something bad enough, the universe will help you, the universe will conspire with you to help you get it. And the problem with this happens when you flip this. If the universe doesn't give you what you want, mm -hmm. that's because you didn't want it bad enough. <laughs> you just didn't want it bad enough. And this is fine if you're talking to like a wealthy, educated member of the cultural elite, but try saying this to the single mom who works three jobs to keep her kids fed and clothed. I'm sorry, you couldn't make your rent this month? You must not have wanted it bad enough. Mm. Try saying this to the homeless person who lost their life savings in the Great Recession and just can't get back on their feet. I'm sorry, you want uh, food and shelter and uh, health care? 
well, if you're not getting it, it's probably because you don't want it enough. Try saying this to Ahmad Arbery, who was murdered because he committed the grave crime of going for a run. He must just not have wanted to be alive enough because the universe conspired to get... It's just... It's it's it's, it's not a great message. It's not a good look, is it, Ian? Um, what no, does the, well, Two questions. Does this book literally come with um, a pair of bootstraps? And then the second question <laughs> is, does this book come in on like luck or anything like that is there an out it wouldn't necessarily acknowledge luck it would be like well that's not luck that's the universe working on your behalf like literally in this book like the wind Mm. and the sun conspire to help this kid achieve his own his own personal legend right um okay here's a better question what does mm -hmm. it say of people that don't like don't don't succeed this is the thing it's like this it's this kind of nonsensical Mm, it's a nonsensical appropriation of everything that happens. So even the bad stuff in this specific carefully designed story, the bad stuff ends up helping him to his own personal legend of getting gold doubloons. So he gets robbed, as Joe mentioned, a whole bunch of times. And what the book (laughs) says is, don't worry, you did get robbed, but that helped you on your way to eventually getting the gold doubloons at the end of the book. So the idea is, if you are knocked down, um, I get knocked down, but I get up again. That kind of thing. Nothing's ever going to keep them down. Right. Because the universe is conspiring. The problem is, one glimpse at newspapers or headlines (laughs) illustrates that there are people who just spiral. And then and and the the, the being knocked down doesn't help them achieve gold doubloons or Mm health care or not being murdered in Georgia, it it just they they do just end up worse off. Well, and yeah. you can see why this book has such an appeal to like people who already have like things going in their lives. Like for like, w- there's a great publication history with this book. This was in the introduction of the version that I read. Some real confirmation bias going, huh? Oh, it's <laughs> such confirmation bias. We're basically, uh, uh, Puello Coelho says like, Hey, I published this book. Um, and it, like, nobody cared about it. Like I published it in, was it Brazil? I want to say he's Brazilian. Yep. yep. Uh, he's like, I published it in Brazil. Nobody cared about it. Like I talked to one bookshop owner and he said he sold one copy the first week and then he didn't sell another copy for six months. And it was to the same person. He says, my publisher dropped me, but like I believed in my own personal legend and I started knocking on doors and I got it republished. And then like an American tourist picked it up and translated it into English and Harper Collins picked it up and did like this massive push. And then this is in the nineties, Bill Clinton was photographed with it, leaving the white house. And then Madonna was talking about it in Vogue magazine. And then like, and like, it just kind of got like all of this celebrity endorsement in the nineties where you can see why this book appeals to you. If you are an international pop star, like you can see why this book appeals to you. If you are the president of the United <laughs> States, like, like, Hey, I'm president. Cause I wanted it hard. Enough. <laughs> yeah. it, I think it's, that's, that's really true. And I think it, it allows you to take some, to take some agency, some responsibility for your successes when oftentimes, not always, there are absolutely people who pull themselves, who, who manage to, you know, start at the bottom now they're here. But a lot of times folks are beneficiaries of networks, you know, so-and-so's parents knew so-and-so's uncles and then it ended up, oh, I'll get your record deal. 
but it also is really, I think, seductive to people who, who, who want, who have dreams because the onus, it puts the onus on you. It puts the, the, the responsibility on you and you are told if all I have to do is not, you know, learn to draw and make connections in the in the comic book industry and start getting my work out there and go hungry for a long time, I don't have to put in the work. I can just want it. And mm. if I succeed, it's not because of my work. It's not because of the people who helped me. It's because of me. And this takes the pressure off of the community and it puts it on the individual. And that means we don't need to worry about fixing things like economic inequality or skyrocketing housing costs or broken justice systems. Because if you are succeeding, it's because you wanted enough. And if you're failing, it's because you haven't wanted it enough yet. This is great. Here I was trying to work hard. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing it all wrong. This book, Nick, it, it like when you read it, it reads like a fable. Like it reads like a parable. It reads like a fable. Like the characters mm-hmm. aren't particularly deep. They're pretty one dimensional, but they're not supposed to be like super deep. Like the, the journey here is what matters. One of my favorite reviews of this said, hey, a good parable should comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Yes. This book does the exact opposite of that. Like it comforts the comfortable. It judges the afflicted. I I think that's a pretty damning, like, one-sentence review. Yeah. So I think let's move past this point. I think we've uh I think we've laid it to bed, right? The the message of this book is well, the <laughs> message is bad. Best. But does it I'm I'm looking for that out. I'm looking for something. Does the author say, like, hey, this isn't for everybody. This is for somebody who mm. has a dream. And like, no. I think this is a part of somebody's journey, right? Like having this type of attitude and like, this can be healthy for X, Y, and Z reasons, but this doesn't really speak to everybody. I understand that. I'm not a crazy megalomaniac sociopath author. Like, is that ever, is that ever uh, addressed? Maybe off page? I, okay. So when I was reading different people, like people's commentary, on this book, it, I put together a list of like things that I liked about this book, and it was four items long. One of them was like the cool publication history. I really dug that. One is that it's read by Jeremy Irons. One is that it's really short. And then one is that I think it's good if it hits you at the right time in life. Probably the nicest thing I read about this book is this guy wrote a review and a, a young guy, and he says, Hey, I grew up in Mexico City, and like, there was never very much expected of me. Like it was all kind of, it was always kind of assumed that I would have the same job as my dad, that like, you know, we would kind of like settle into this multi-generational stagnation. He says, I read this book. It changed my life. Like this book lit a fire under my ass. I, I could kind of see that. Like I get that. I get that appeal to it. Now, I don't know if Puello Coelho says that, but the, this, 25 year old dude from Mexico city said it. So there you go. So if that's not a good enough endorsement, yeah. I don't know what is <laughs> Bill Clinton, Madonna, Will Smith, and that dude, um, dude, that dude, if we can abstract any element of it as praiseworthy, I would say the encouragement to dream big is, is a, that's good. Like that's, that's, and, and dream big and, and consider the possibility that you might end up achieving those dreams. Um, right. For some people, big dreams are, are just fantasy. You yourself could be in Bad Boys 8. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You try hard enough and you write an international bestseller that's translated into 67 languages. 
Who knows yeah. what will happen? Maybe you Wait, get to hold coast on, hold for on, the hold rest on. of your if, if you If you will it. Yes, if you want if you want it bad enough. I'm not sure if you got my Will Smith joke, Ian. No. Ah, that was right there. I should I I I formally apologize. Uh, he's he's kind of been in my estimation and I'm 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 open to this might just be me, but nah, steamroll it, Ian. Fuck he's, it. He's behaved kind of <laughs> annoyingly both both before and especially after this novel. So so he okay. was a he was a musician and he was a hippie and fine, whatever. But then he got to a point in his life when he was like, I don't want to be a musician anymore. I want to make money by being an author. And that was a big dream. That's a big dream by itself. Um, so he went on a pilgrimage in Spain. And then he came back and he was like, if I see a white feather, I will write this book. And then he saw a white feather. And so he, he wrote the book. shot a seagull. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he says it took him two mo- two weeks to write the book because it was already written on his soul. Oh, and yep. now... Which, when you read it, it feels like a two-week book. <laughs> like, yes. it, feels, it feels like a first draft. Yeah. That totally <laughs> explains so much. Hey, dude, take three weeks. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Do one more read-through. This is like the rock stars who are like, I wrote this song in a night. And you're like, man, do, would you want to take another day? Like, just tell. imagine how good it could have been then. Just one more. One more day. One more day. Ever since the novel was successful, he's kind of adopted this persona, like a guru persona. And Gross. He, he, he frames himself as a brilliant philosopher. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe the critics think he, he is. Maybe he's actually on to something. Maybe we should be listening to him. So I started kind of searching around, looking at some of the reviews, especially of his his more recent work in the last 20 years. And most reviewers actually agree, no, it just seems brilliant. It like, it sparkles. Yeah. But then you get closer and that sparkle is not gold. It's not even glitter. It's the inside of uh, a gum wrapper. It's really, <laughs> yeah. it's just, there's no substance. There's nothing there. So because this sold well, he, he got this, this kind of cachet and he comes off as really privileged in the whole thing. He comes off as really like somebody who, can I read some of these glittering quotes? Because I, I couldn't have put it better myself there, Ian, with the gun, ra- gun wrapper situation. Gum wrapper. So I'm just going to sprinkle these in and I don't mean to interrupt. No, please. Remember that wherever your heart is, there you will find your treasure. (laughs) When someone leaves, it's because someone else is about to arrive. Like, I don't know if that's true. (laughs) I forgot about that one. I love that one. It just seems like something somebody wrote when they were 16 in like a notebook that was like really deep to them. Yeah, and like it's it's, it's the notebook that you keep next to your bed like for when you get high or something like that. <laughs> and then you read it later and you're like, what the what the fuck is this? <laughs> like this doesn't make any sense. Mm, I got a good quote for the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I I remember when when that with that one about whenever someone leaves, it's because someone else is about to arrive. I think I I think I remember stopping the audiobook and just cackling with my wife about that. <laughs> about the nonsense it's just it's 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 really amazing to me though i think and i think one thing that we haven't coped with very well is the popularity of this because Mm. the you know what's the um 60 65 million people can't be wrong like right like this thing has sold as many copies as like every individual harry potter book like like this thing is huge he's more popular than terry pratchett which is nonsense he sold as many as catcher in the rye (laughs) or pratchett or (laughs) 
<laughs> Could be that too. Do do do. Nick, you read any good books lately? Oh. Oh, hi there, Ian and Joe. I didn't see you there. We were behind you the whole oh. time. I was just <laughs> singing a song to myself. Nick, have you read any good books lately? Yes, Ian. And, uh, you know, as is the format to the show, uh, every week I bring a book yep. um, to recommend. So Wait. See, I don't think that's the format. Joe, I, I don't know what you're talking about. This is how it's always been. Yeah, this is how it's always been, Joe. Are you Wait, Are you mistaken? I feel like I've read a lot of books in the last year. Catch up, Joe. Catch Pure up. coincidence. God. Yeah, I, I think we should do just a normal episode next week. Like yeah, the just one a super normal episode where I present a, um, uh, the longest book ever written. And <laughs> um, <laughs> and I recommend that to you guys. Does that sound Classic. good? Love it. What's that book? What, what book is uh, that going to be? That would be the 22-hour audiobook of Moby Dick. I do like the idea that the first book Nick has ever read is the <laughs> longest book ever written. Uh, I'm sure there are longer ones, but uh, this uh, this particular uh, audiobook is good, and I think you should read it. It feels like a voyage, yes. Yeah. yes. Oh, that's good, a voyage, yeah, because it's on a boat. Yeah. Good. If you are not widely read, I think you are fooled by the philosophical nature of this book. Like, this stuff that sounds philosophical, I think if you think about it and ruminate on it, like, you can, like, make meaning of it. And it feels deep and it feels impactful when you read it. That's that's my first theory. Like uh, this, Joe? Theory. Tears are words that need to be written. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yep, that's a great sounds, example. It uses Hemingway words, but it's not Hemingway. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think it's really telling that this like wasn't that famous in his home country and really got fame in in translation and got fame with celebrities because I think like it's comforting. Like I think if you are like a soccer mom book club and like you are thinking about your life, this is kind of a nice little hug that's like, hey, you don't have to feel any like guilt. Like you've you've earned this. Like you just you wanted this, and doesn't that mean you deserve it? You guys have gotten your your one star reviews and I want to get one in quick before yeah. we wrap up. That's um, only this fair. Is, this is, this is really brief. Um, there's, there's some, uh, some insulting of the readers, the insulting of people who would like it. The, oh, it's, the, the reviewer says the profound lessons you'll learn from this book amount to nothing more than several variations on the theme of only the very ugly is truly beautiful. Only the very stupid are really intelligent. Only black is white. Only up is down, etc., etc. The writing is too simple to be really bad, but it's the content that gets you. <laughs> By the end of the book, you'll want to track down the philosopher's stone yourself and carefully beat the author to death with it. Um, <laughs> but I think that idea that the writing the writing is too simple to be bad. I think I think that's another thing tying into what Joe is saying. If you're not a big book reader, and there are plenty of people who identify this way then, you know, heck, this is accessible. You might read mm -hmm, a line that yeah. says, tears are words that are ready to be written. And you might be like, I don't understand what that means, but I understand all those words and it sounds good. <laughs> you know, yeah. if it's accessible, that goes a long, long way. So right. it that, feels like it's full of quotes that could be painted on the wall of like a 14 year old girl, right? Like it's like, yep. Like it's like, oh. and to the 14 year old girls who listen to this podcast, probably you're fine. Right. You paint whatever yeah. you want on your wall. It's a face. Mm -hmm. It gets better. Yeah. If this opens the door to better literature is what you're saying, Ian, then a thumbs up. Yes. <laughs> In <laughs> our regards. <laughs> Thank you, Paulo. 
Litheads, if you want to really stick it to Paulo Coelho and just show him how bad you think his book is, how about you head on over to our, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> head on over to our, our social media. Uh, you don't know Lit uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and give us some likes and follows if you are so inclined. You can suggest books that you love or, you know, books that you think we should do an anti-episode on. This has been a lot of fun at mm-hmm. youdon'tknowlitpodcast.com. You can also suggest themes like Hot Nonsense there, uh, and you could give even give us a nice five-star review in the Apple iTunes store. What you shouldn't do is go read this book because, <laughs> seriously, uh-huh. spend those four hours doing something else. Um, this is great. Hey, can I read the quotes on anti-episodes? Yes, 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 you should. Yes. Oh, cool. All right, so I win. And here's your quote. (laughs) Whoever wins, Uh, This needs no context because it doesn't matter. Here's your quote. As my baby cries. (laughs) (laughs) Even Cece hates this book. (laughs) It's a sign. Don't waste your time with explanations. People only hear what they want to hear. Congratulations, Nick. Congratulations. Thank you, guys. Thank you.